Welcome back. It's me, the Susan Anime, and you are listening to Sloth Under the Sea with me. And we will be talking about movies, TV shows, books, fun holidays, everything from other countries to does this still hold up to this day? From, like, rub brats to, like, as told by Ginger, to Movie Monday, to True Creepy Things Tuesday, to whatever I feel like talking about because this is my podcast. And I hope you all will stay and listen to me and have some good old-fashioned podcast fun. And we'll try to stay as calm as we can. But let's get into it. And let's all have some fun listening. And you can also see me sometimes on YouTube doing my podcast as well. Okay, here we go. want to say that true crime cases are something that I've been reading about and I want to say that I don't mean any harm or disrespect or anything and sometimes the cases can be really really scary but I try to do true crime and creepy things Tuesday so this recording might be up twice and I just want to say I don't mean any harm, disrespect, or any hurtfulness. I'm just giving you the facts of the cases and letting everyone know that this is what I found. This is a case people have been talking about. This is a case that people are thinking about. I have looked into a lot of cases and I don't want to just, I don't want anyone to feel disrespected. If I say their name wrong, you can try to correct me. I might try to be able to pronounce it right. I might not be able to did my learning problem but I just want to say that I don't mean any disrespect to anyone ever and I hope that you all understand that I'm just giving you the facts and sometimes I may or may not give you my opinion or I could just tell you like hey this is my opinion based on what they are saying like not even a I know this personally but like more of a like a this is what people are leaning towards and do I agree or disagree but a lot of the time I don't really know so I'm going to say like this could be my opinion but I really don't know them personally or know the case personally so it really is like a 
this is what has been said so this is what the opinion of other people have been and I hope y'all understand that I don't mean any disrespect harm and I do not suggest you do any of this stuff that people have done and I hope that this stuff doesn't continue to happen and I hope y'all enjoy the cases and I hope y'all learn from them more importantly and I hope you all understand better that hey this is what happens let's be careful let's learn from this let's learn from this let's try to get a new law in let's try to do this let's try to keep it from happening again okay okay today the content could be a little more chore for audiences so please as someone before listening to this video it's mature and may be uncomfortable for some viewers. Viewer discretion is advised. Be cautious. This is more for adults. Or for those who get permission. Okie dokie, artichoke. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today and the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon I know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now and welcome back. I am your host, the Susan Anime O'Hagan. And today is True Creepy Things Tuesday. And today we are going to talk about witches. I know, I know. You probably thought we were going to talk about pirates, but we'll do that next week. I figured give y'all a little break from the pirates. Okay. Okay, let's continue. Sign of witches, Lindsay, Lin, Linda West published The Witches Are Coming, an exhibition of her 2017 New York Times additional train like President Trump and Harvey who, after being accused of sexual assault, claimed they were victims of a witch hunt. Sure, if you insist it's a witch and I am a witch and I am hunting you. West wrote, the Times also published, When did everybody become a witch about the up, thick, and all things crappy? From Policies to Podcast. The pop culture gets wrong about burning times. Hollywood is no place to learn history entirely. Certainly, not when it comes to the burning times. Film and television description 
while entertaining, feed us a particular narrative that is something based in fact, up dresses it, but dresses it up with a lot of fantasy. The truth is a little more complicated. The truth is a little more complicated. Wait, what century exactly? People have been accused of witchcraft for centuries, but these are mostly local local disputes between neighbors or villagers looking for someone to blame for crop failure, bad weather, and whatnot. Witch hunting did not become a widespread hysteria involving both church and state until the late 15th century with the publication of the demonologist treatises Mala Manifestum. Organized witch hunts were most widespread in the years 1550 to 1650. Hollywood, however, kept positioning the burning times a few hundred years earlier in medieval times, sometimes depicting witches. Sometimes depicting witches. Okay. Keeps positioning the burning times a few hundred years early in medieval times, sometimes depicting witches being blamed for the 14th century bionic plague. of the bionic plague was credit with curbing the spread of disease, which is pretty cool, but also not true. <sighs> lactural spells. Lactural spells. Hollywood says England and Salem, Massachusetts, which hunting hysteria spread across all across Europe and the American colonies. But the entertainment industry has usually more specific confirming the phantom to England and Massachusetts town of Salem. The European witch panic was centered in Germany speaking countries where around 25,000 people and welcome back I where 25,000 people were executed. Oh, let's keep going. Okay, the European witch panic was centered in German-speaking countries, where around 25,000 people were executed, although there were also outbreaks in Scandinavia, the Bancus region of northern Spain, and in Scotland, thanks to a book called Demonology, written by Kim J King James V. Eye of Scotland. Scotland had twice the execution rate of neighboring England. Nearly 4,000 people were killed. A few films, H-A-X-A-N, Black Sunday, Mark of the Devil, The Pit and the Pendulum, Hansel and Gretel, witch hunters have explored these fathering fling witch hunts. 
Winona Ryder played accused Abigail Williams in the 1996 film adaptation of Arthur Miller's Salem play The Crucible. The real Abigail, however, was 11 while in the film she's the adult lover of the married John Proctor. Mark of the Devil, a 1970 German film, infamous for its graphic despite of the torture during the worst trials claims and the voice over into the 80 million witches were killed. Double, double, how many accused witches actually died? Well, this is going to be forever. Films such as Mark of the Devil and even the documentary called The Burning Times assert that millions of accused women were burned at the stake. The math is off, although the actual number are still horrific. Between 1482 and 1782, around 1,000 people accused across Europe were accused and put on trial. Of these, some 50,000 were executed. So despite the witch-finding system being rigged, not every convicted suspect was killed. In Wernenberg, Germany, for example, some 600 people were accused, 350 were tried, and 197 of them were burned at the stake. There were also alternative punishments among the branding, whipping, drowning, imprisonment, banishment, and being sold into slavery, so as so, also not great. Burn the witch. How did the accused die? Even the title of the documentary, The Burning Time, suggests more. Witches were burned at the stake. Not so. The majority of convicted witches across Europe and even in Salem received the usual penalty for murdering. Hanging, burning was common in Germany, Scotland, and Spain but not always alive. In a rare gesture of mercy, many were strangled first or had sacks of gunpowder tied around their neck. Other forms of execution, including beheading, drowning, and breaking on the wheel. Hollywood, however, has always loved a good roasting of the state, even one executed in Salem or in other English colonies. Finders Keepers Most like cries of the Banshee, Hansel Grenell, Witch Hunters, and The Last Witch Hunter, plus the TV show Shuts at Motherland, Fort Salem, and The Wheel of Time, all recycle the story of Matthew P Hopkins, a freelance witch hunter who went rogue for two years as a sort of light serial killer, unsurpassing the reach of his initial warrant for our one English country. Thanks to Hopkins, we have quite a few films depicting a witch finder coming to town and finding, judging, and executing all the local practicing he can expose, all by himself. In reality, the few witch finder who were actually employed didn't do the hunting, but simply responded to requests from various townships to help them deal with an accused witch, such as the 
Victor John Lowe's the first these films tend not to depict actual trials, just the witch hunter on a missionary mission, either of his own design or commissioned by the church. The Devil in the Shape of Women True, most of the accused were women and they faced an unjust system in which the members of the legal system putting them on trial were nearly all male. Many of the accused were elderly spinsters, widows or other unattached women living alone, with no male protectors, but all not all accused witches were female. Accused across Europe, one in five of the accused were male, and in some places men made up the majority of those charged, such in Normandy, Aston, Burgundy, Russia, and Iceland, where over 90% of the witches accused war men. Church versus state, who was to blame? Catholics and Protestants both went into, both went in for witch hunting the Catholic prominent mainly by paddle bulls and the in question for which witchcraft was a hasty punishable by death. But this was the time of the Protestant Reformation and Lutheraners. Confess and Angelus were fought for their own religious market share. In a few religions, the Paul state, the prince, bishop in Germany, religion and government leaders were the same people. Trials depend largely on local scalar government and rates of execution were highest in the areas alongside international borders such as Lurin on the border of France and the Holy Germany Empire. In places with no strong central authority, Germany, state Switzerland, and during the times of policy unrest like English Civil War. Hail Fives. What did the accused witch have in common? The accused were not a malicious. Many of them did work as midwives or healers, but not every one of them. Some were poor beggars who were blamed for misfortune after they were refused help. Some were independently wealthy with access that could be sought, seized, a practice still going on or in remote parts of the world, or just independent periods. Some were on the outs with their community or church or had gotten on the wrong side of their neighbors. Others were mentally ill. Some were ignorant, descriptive arrangement, or just plain unpopular. Some were wardens, ministerals, seasonal laborers, peddlers, or freed slaves. They were easy and vulnerable targets, but no one was safe from the accusation of witchcraft, not even Clearman. Witches, the witches back. Of course, filming being filmmakers, it's much better story to suggest our outright says that the accused witches Salem and elsewhere were really magical beings, and if they survived, or 
even if they didn't. They're going to be back to get revenge, maybe not themselves, but through a long lineage of descendants who are now also witches, living happily ever after. Hollywood loves the fairy tale and it's nice to imagine that the accused had some powers and received some justice. But despite being a rubbish with Rome, calm, and horror, it's just not true. A monument in Scotland seeks formal allergies for the thousands executed and the state of Massachusetts made public amends, but it does not have the same punch as it was Agatha all along. Which is hilariously funny. Okay. Famous faces of the witch world. The venomous scientist. H-Y-P-A-T-I. The same well-behaved woman seldom to make history. I have that quote on my fridge, which is hilariously funny. Could have been written about... I'm gonna call her H. A renowned mathematician, astronomer, and physiologist. She was born somewhere between 350 and 370 AD in Alexandria, Egypt, and was totally disrupted. While most women handled domestic chores at home, H, whom math writer Hardy Grant described as having the spirit of Pluto and the body of Aphrodite, read and listed to her mathematician philosophy father, Theo, discussed ideas with other scholars. He taught her art and humanities, and she, invariably, became a teacher herself, sharing knowledge about the motion of the planet, number theory, and chronics. She had a gift for breaking down complex subjects into bite-sized fun facts that were easy to digest and understand. And she drew large crowds during her public lectures, which often extended on the work of Pluto and astrology. She rose to be head of a school of philosophy in Alexandria, and forgot ladies' fashion. H would wore the robes of a scholar traditionally reserved for men, according to philosopher Demetria Alish Christianity was becoming the dominant religion of the region, and she was an unbanished was an unbanished pagan. Though H believed in religion, tolerance for all, not everyone agreed. Among those near say with Bishop a religious Zeralot and the van of his uncle Telephos who had ordered the last renames of the library of Alexandria be destroyed when he Archbishop, you know, H. Text and all, Heather Texas and all. Sice accused of turning people away from Christianity, linking her with Satan. 
He declared her a witch and said she was causing chaos by advising her friends. Alexander Governor Austria. Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now all of and all Chris accused H of turning people okay in March 1450 AD a mob, mob led a manderster named Peter and Lecter gathered his fellows zealots many of them monks and hunted H down as she made her way from the university dragging her out of her chariot by her hair they ripped off her clothes and took her to a church where they peeled flesh from her body pulled the limbs apart and burned them while much of her work was lost she eventually became a feminist symbol and her life has been the subject of multiple books and films British photographer Julian did a series of photos paying homage to her hero in the portrait from 1868 made Maria Sprouts pose as H. Poor H. That has to not be good. Okay. The Soulful Heroics Christian Mystics MP is thought to have been born in Hittard, France, speaking particularly in the Holy Roman Empire. In 1250, she belonged to female order known as the... Okay. Uh, okay. In May 1310, she was traded for heroically deprived for a book of lies and false preaching. Protect refused to recant her words. She was convicted and burned at the stake on June 1st, 1310 at the Palace de Garden in Paris. Though the Inquisition tried to 
Silencer, the mirror of simple souls, was translated into Latin, Italian, and Middle English, and continued to circulate anonymously for centuries. In 1946, it was finally a tribe to protect the distant saint. Around 1260, Gorlman, a widow with a grandson, first appeared in Milan. She was rumored to be the daughter of the king of Birmingham, born in 1210, but the claim has never been substantiated. She was a mystic and prophet who predicted the end of the world. Despite her details, devoted believing Gollumon was the Holy Spirit indicated, incarnated, and when the world ended, she would be the one to be resurrected. According to historian Barbara Norman, sampled by Christian teaching on her representation as a healer, quickly attracted disbelief both women and men who clung to her with fierce loyalty. The impact she created far outlasted her lifetime. Little is known about her cause of death. On August 24, 1281, but her body was buried in the Christian Abbey of Charlin in Milan nearly two decades after her death in 1300. Month trial and the confirmed hereditary body exhumed her tomb was dismembered. Image of where sh- of her were destroyed and despective writings were burned as were Goldman's bones, according to Norman. Part of Goldman's great legacy is a belief in the particularly capability of women and inclusive, embracing the ultimate salvation of Jews and pagans, a fashion which crackmize as vision and vied hope for an Open fortune. Molly Dreyer. Where they are now. Anne Bolden. The second of King Harry IV. VII's six wives. Anne. Or Annie. I'm not really sure how she would say it. Being a witch in the 16th century because she carried a child to term. She had a miscarriage of what was described as a monstrous fetus and deformity, which supposedly signaled that the monster was a witch, and the king was later found to be important, a possible occurrence at the hands of a witch. She also allegedly committed incest with her brother and carried on other countless affairs with her international entertaining the sexual experience Bulgin and was never formally charged with being a witch but she was found guilty of conspiring to kill the king incest and adultery 
her punishment? Beheading, of course. George Rasputin. George Rasputin had the reputation of being a macular healer, either a god or a devil given power. The Serbian native first came into notoriety when he was said to have saved the life of Caesar and Caesar of Russia's son, E-A-L-E-X-E-I, a homophobic while historic such as pyre guilds have speculated that the bleeding likely stopped as a result of Rasputin's insistence that he not ingest any more aspirin, a known blood thinner agent. At the time, it was believed his magical powers saved A L E X E I. Rasputin's re persuasion as possible, which grew stronger when, in 1914, he was stabbed in the stomach and miraculously made a full recovery. Legend has it that in late 1916, he was poisoned, then shot multiple times, but he was still able to escape and only finally dead when he drowned in an icy cold river. However, an autopsy showed no poison was found in her spoon system, and that he died from a single bullet to the head. So signs now point to him not being a position of magic. Marguerite Chermony. Ooh, okay, so I'm gonna pause you for a sec. Okay, let's talk about familiars. Getting familiar with familiars. Some animals can help with magical work, but some, most pets are just furry friends. Back in the good old days, bad old days, it was the thought that familiar was some kind of imp or demon disguised as an animal. These familiars were believed to help witches cast evil spells and generally cause all sorts of mayhem. While familiars would be found in many forms, including toads, it was the spooky black cat that was most often assumed to be a witch's assistant, needless to say. This rarely ended well for the cat. These days, most people know that a witch's familiar is something much more being. An animal with an affinity for magical working who is willing to lend their energy to the witch with whom they have formed a bond. These could be cats, dogs, or even snakes. That said, the one true familiar I have had in all my years of witchcraft practice was in fact a black cat named Magic. But not all animals, or even all black cats, are familiars. Of the five cats I currently own, or more accurately, who own me, three are black and none are familiars. So how do you know if one of your pets or that toad in the garden is a familiar? The best way to discover if your animal 
composes a magical line is to watch their behavior when you do your magical work. When your cat's a circle of salt. When you cast a circle or start a ritual, do they come and lay down next to you? Do they yell, meow, or bark when you represent a spell? Do they sit with you on the cards when you do a tarot card reading? If so, they're probably a familiar. If they just wander off and lie in the sun, I'm looking at you cats. Probably not. You can't make an animal be a familiar. And you should never adopt an animal only because you're looking for a magical companion. There are times when you get a feeling and it's fine to follow your gut. As long as you will still love and difficulty care for the cat or dog, even if it turns out they have no magical lineage whatsoever. They could still be wonderful, loving companions. I do have a spell for finding a familiar in my book, The Little Book of Cat Magic. But even that only helps full, not a guarantee. What to expect if you are lucky enough to share your life with an animal who does have an affinity for magic work, there's no particular right way of working with a familiar. For the most part, especially if it's a cat, will simply do whatever it is they are moved to do. My cat magic used to come into the living room when my coven was practicing inside and walk around the circle clockwise. Greeting everyone and telling us it was time to start the ritual. During the ritual, she would either sit under our round altar table or on the couch behind me. Surprisingly, all our going ons and legend letting her energy. When we were done, she somehow knew and would walk around the circle once more and then leave the room. It was never anything she was asked to do. She simply came and took part every single time. When I did solitary magic, she would often sit on my feet. And when I did terror readings for clients, she almost always jumped on the table and yes, sometimes sat on the cards. That sounds like my kitty Kevin. He sits on everything. Bear in mind that if you are working with a familiar, you want to make sure your magical environment is safe for them. Keep an eye open on keep an eye on open flames, sharp objects, dangerous herbs, or anything else that might harm them if they got into it. A familiar is a gift sent from the gods. And if you're blessed with one, make sure you say thank you, often both to the gods and to the animal. Debra Black is the author of novels and guiders about witchcraft. Heading cats. Anyone who's ever met a cat knows they're not the most 
Observant animal. Many of the women accused of witchcraft were likewise disembodiment. This is one of the many reasons felines came to be seen as witch companions. The ultimate witch bucket list. We could read that. Finding your path. Let's try the ultimate bucket list. Pay your respects in Salem, Massachusetts. Salem is no doubt the most famous city for witch trials in America. For a quick history legend, start by exploring the Salem Witch Museum at 19th one half Washington Square North, where you'll learn all about what causes the town's hysteria, how the trials proceed, and their tragic outcome, which led to the death of 20 accused men and women. The process to the Salem Witch Trial Memorial at 24 Liberty Street, which sits on a 5,400-square-foot plot of land next to the old Burning Point Cemetery, where the Northridge trial John is buried, built in 1992 for the 300th anniversary. Artichoke, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now Okay, let's continue. Um, okay, 300 anniversary solemn witch trials. The memorial based on the Venement Memorial was designed by artist Maggie Smith and Arctic James. According to the book, the best of culture added Andrew's Arctic's. The design approached the idea of injustice through the world. Silence, definition, percentage, and memory. To respect silence, they organized the site to emphasize the surrounding tombstone as mute watchers looking into the memorial. For deafness, they inscribed the historical protest of innocence on the entry threshold and had them slide under the stone wall mid-sentence. For prosecution, they planted black locust trees. For memory, they inscribed the names, date, the manners of death, and stone slabs. 
which were the sin C A N T I L E V E R E D from the stone wall as beaches. The Salem Witch Trials Memorial isn't the only monument in the area. The Prosecutor Ledge Memorial, located at 7 Pope Street, location of the execution, is dedicated to the 19 people who were hanged during the trials. This goes not include Gil's quarry, who was pressed to death. The memorial features a semicircle wall with 19 stones engraved with the names and execution dates of the victims. In nearby Denver's, which was part of Salem, when the trials took place in 1692, lies the Salem Village Witchcraft Victims Memorial at 172 Harbridge Street, which was built in 1992 and is located across the street from the former site of the Selwyn Village Meeting House built by the Witchcraft Committee of Danvers features a green colony on a broken chain of shackles and an eight-foot wall with the name and testimonial of the victims. The Howard Street Cemetery located at 29 Harvard Street in Salem is also another place you can pay your respects and it's one of the primary burial grounds associated with the child. Whew, okay. I don't know if this is a fun fact or not, but I actually went to the Salem Witch Museum and I might have seen some of the cemetery. I can't remember. A statue of Roger Contat, Salem's founder, stands in front of the city's witch museum. I do remember going to the Salem Witch Museum when I was maybe a preteen, maybe a teen. And I saw that and I went and to the museum. I also put my name on this thing that had everyone's name on it. I forget what it was. There was a gum thing. It was so confusing. Take a witch brew tour around New Orleans. Head south to the big, easy for a guided walk tour filled with chills and thrills. The richest brew tower. Meet up in the heart of New Orleans. French quarters. Depending on the route you choose, you can hear hair-raising tales of witches, voodoo, priests, vampires, and ghosts. Stops include such scary sights as... Oh, ah, the crazy lady. I'm like, I'm two-part French. I'm like, please never let me be related to her because if I was and I saw her like in a spirit way, I would slap the daylights out of her. Lee Lamore Mansion. She was crazy. Cray-cray. Like, disgusting. Like, not even... Ugh. If you saw American Horror Story, the one of the covens, they actually talk about her. And she is just so gross. 1138 Royal Street, where Delphine Le Merle is said to have maliciously tortured and killed many enslaved workers. You can also learn about the town's rich voodoo history and its famous practices such as Marie Lavia, who was may grant you a wish if you visit her tombstone at St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. 
On your own time, you can check out your Congo Square, where Lydia lead voodoo dances and rituals, and the historic Voodoo Museum at 724 Street, which showcases many of the city's magic artifacts. Walk the Panamine Trail in Lancaster, England. Well, let's see if we can find something else to read about. Okay, we're back. <laughs> Sorry. Explore how modern witches practice from virtual covens to potions by mail. Learn how magic can up your glam factor and hop on your broomstick to check out the spell binding hotspots. Okay. Being called a witch used to mean your life was a was at stake. Or at least someone really didn't like you. But today more and more witches are coming out of the broom closet. Loud and proud. Loud and proud. We chant with three public prestation about their journey, the biggest misconception they encounter, and advice for those starting out. Okay, how did you find your way to magic? Dakota St. Clair is a Brooklyn, New York-based reader, educator, and co-worker of at Land Books. They got national recognition for leading events like Hex Trump and Hex Betty. I grew up in a super in E-V-A-N-G-E-L eclectic household. As a little kid, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew, okay, if I take these sticks, rocks, and feathers, I arrange them a certain way under my mattress, I won't have nightmares anymore. I don't know why I did it, just that it worked. I didn't question it, but I did know that I had to hide it. As I got older when I was on my own, in my early 20s, I was able to do some explore, explore exploring and realized, oh wait, this is actually a thing. I researched different paths and realized I'm of a free angel type. There's one of the initial things that you have to figure out if you want to embark on witchcraft because it's a religion, it's a practice. Sarah Sh Shannon is an LA-based sage who offers energy healing services at the Green Man in North Hollywood and has co-produced occult-themed shows. I was raised Catholic, but with a spiritual family, for instance, every full moon my grandmother would get a potato and ask, does anyone have a blemish? If you did, she would rub the potato on you and bury it in the backyard. Things I did not know people did. This is gonna be interesting. Okay. So. And put. 
she would, so I would just grow up and, okay, buried in the backyard to make her blemish go away. So I just grew up knowing about that, and my family allowed me to explore it. My mom bought me little spell books when I was a kid, and my uncle taught me to read terror when I was eight. There were like, if you want to learn to spell, just don't invoke demon. As I got older, I started studying witchcraft formally. I joined a coven and fully emerged myself in. When I took my Wiccan 101 class, we finished with a ritual and people started talking about their fear of converting. I never understood where the fear came from. It never occurred to me to be afraid. It was kind of funny to see this divide with my grandmother who was like, yes, you can do all this folk magic stuff like the potato, the tarot cards, that's fine. Talk to the ghosts in the house, but if you want to understand it on a deeper level, there's no way you can do that without being a devil worshiper. So that was the problem. L. Hoover is a fascinating writer who has experienced, experiment with several paths and is now an independent Northologist. My father is Christian. My mother was Jewish. We did attend my dad's church, which called themselves United Methodist, but the particular conjure was pretty unfundamentalized all about God's plan. So to find religion that told me your own will can make the things happen and all the things that the church was telling me that I should try to press were things to be celebrated. That was powerful. I started with Wicca. It was ended up being a bad fit with the focus on dualitary, the divine feminine and the divine masculine. In the tradition I used to allow ADF, ancestors are very important. I used to use a lot of heavily ADF influence practices, and one of those is having a place for the spirit of the dead. The idea was that you build a relationship with any spirit or god that you work with. It's mutual arrangement. If someone's talking about the weather and they need it to rain, they might say, hey, if you could just handle this for me, I'll do you a favor. That might be, I'll honor you. I will sing a song for you. Lately, I've been more independent. I've been looking at how I ensure that my practice is building something that is not in approximately co-oping things from culture. Are there still people who think witches are evil? Working at a place like the Green Man, part of my job is to help teach other people. It's really great to see fresh faces wanting to learn more about it, but it can be frustrating. I had a woman come in with a bunch of crystals and she asked if we could identify each one, but then she asked what was what the stone was and I was like, We're a mythological store. Then she burst into Oh, so you're saying this and you're going to heck and I'm like, no, I do not eat babies. I do not ride on a broom. You cannot lead other people's ignorance get you down. 
None of this is dark. A pentagram represents the elements, earth, air, fire, and water, and spirit. It's a symbol of balance and protection. Devil worshipping aside, what are some of the biggest misconceptions people have about modern witches? As a general rule, just because you're a witch does not mean you're religious. Probably less than 2% of the witches that I met work in that way. Personally, I am a sage, a part of Italian witchcraft. There are ties to Catholicism, such as working with saints or archangels, the high priests outranks the high priests, witches have come a long way and are more celebrated for being healers. Focus on the positive aspect of it, which is really what the basis of witchcraft is. Being more in tune with yourself, being more in tune with nature, and being more things around you. St. Clair. One of the things that I drive home the most is critical thinking, skepticism, and doubt. Just because we're people who believe that magic is real doesn't mean we don't think COVID we don't think COVID is real. But there are plenty of people who sub out in merchant for crystals. There's a huge difference between medicine and magic. They don't interact. Yet for a lot of people, the reason they're approaching witchcraft is the idea of wellness and self care. There is no such thing as healing spell. You can't say words and mend a cut on your arm. If you break a bone, you don't shove amethyst and rosemary in there. Historically, the witch was the instruction between a religious figure and a medical figure, but that was also at a time when no one could read. Why would we carry that forward. We're not still doing bloodletting. We don't need to. But historically, there are divert belief systems when there are pleasures. During the pandemic, we had a period of people being coped up, breathless, anxious, scared. Some they're like, what is the deal with crystals? Oh, H-A-V-O-C. I've seen a lot of superficial conspiracy of witchcraft if part of being a witch is fighting against the establishment that's okay but go beyond the fun aspects for me I am a non-binary a lot of superficial witchcraft Stuff, even the things that are more directly associated with venomous. Talk about challenging divine venomous energy that could be very agility to someone who is still trying to figure out their gender identity. Not to mention what that can do for pagans who find out that they are trans-masculine. Does that mean they can't be witches? Of course not. Witchcraft is 
at its core transformation work. Speaking of which, why has the symbol of the witch become so big in Venomism? L-E-I-L-A-N-I. Witchcraft is about understanding that you can change your life and things around you. Everyone can empower themselves, and that's one of the reasons why it's becomes such a symbol of Venonism. If you think of a coven, I think part of this is really carving, craving that tribe mentality. It's really rewarding to be a community of like-minded, powerful people. Venomous keep coming back to the witchcraft well. And you can look at the thought through the genus of aspect goddesses. Every time it's a different goddess. When we were doing the better Camish hex, Bert Cayman hex. Okay, so I think we'll stop there. I hope you all have a great, wonderful day and enjoyed this true creepy things Tuesday. Am I saying witches are creepy? No, I'm just, well, I don't know. Some people find them creepy. I find them interesting. So, I thought it would be kind of fun. I mean, true creepy things can be anything from people killing the witches, which is why I put it under creepy, to also true crime. I also do like true, like creepy things in history, like what has happened in history. So it's just true facts, but I just call them creepy because it's like interesting and creepy and I like it. And witches are interesting. But what happened to them was definitely creepy. So hope y'all have a great and wonderful week. Bye for now. I hope y'all like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope y'all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Over and out.